So Julie, something you may not know about me. I love Thanksgiving. <laughs> it is Hold on, wait. Is, is that like a really <laughs> shitty attempt at like gobble gobble? <laughs> Cut that out. Uh, <laughs> no, it's, I, I think we're going to leave that in there because that is the rate of the podcast that we are at. This is a low budget uh, uh, entity, ladies and gentlemen. I love Thanksgiving. It has always been my favorite holiday. There is nothing wrong with something that focuses on eating and drinking and football and family and yeah. ignoring maybe some of the uh, um, controversial things about the concept of Thanksgiving for a second. Yeah. Uh, I love it. So surprise, you're not getting part two of last week. You're getting a <laughs> special Thanksgiving week Yay! episode. A very so, special episode. Yeah. And I am a frequent participant in the thing that's called a food coma. Do you ever get food comas, Julie? Yes. Yeah. Uh, on the daily, I would say. Yeah. I feel like food coma is in the common vernacular, but is most famous on Thanksgiving. Everybody talks about eating and then getting on the couch and melting into cushions and never moving again. <laughs> and so with that... Welcome to your special Thanksgiving Doctor's Friends episode. Your doctor friends are going to go into, what the hell is a food coma? Yay! <sighs> me, 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 me. <laughs> Welcome to your Doctor Friends, the show that teaches you to sniff out the garbage and answers all the questions that you wish you could call or text your doctor friend. My name's Julie Bruni. And I'm Jeremy Allen, and we are two physicians who work at a nationally ranked practice and take care of some of the world's greatest athletes. We know that you have questions, and we want to help. We want to be your doctor friends. Okay, Julie, let's talk about food coma. I'm so excited. I'm, I'm loving yeah. this format that we're doing. So for our listeners, I'm, I'm like so excited right now. So Jeremy has done all the research for all of this. This is Jeremy's book report, basically. Yeah. And I know nothing about what he's going to say. Usually before our episodes, we share like an outline. And if we have a guest, then we share the outline with the guest so that they have like a general idea of what we might be talking about so they don't feel blindsided. But this time I have no knowledge of what Jeremy's going to tell me about. I mean, I have some general perfunctory knowledge of what a food coma is. So I don't know, like, is that something you were going to ask me? Like, what's my general understanding of what a food coma might be? No, stop leading this podcast. <laughs> Jeremy said, I'm going to lead. It's like we're dancing and I'm doing what I usually do, which is step this all is over my, your toes. This is my episode, Julie. <laughs> well, anyway, I'll shut up. I know nothing about this other than just like my general knowledge, which is poor, I would say, yes. in this topic. Yeah. So we're taking a chapter out of our podcast, Idols Maintenance Phase, and we're trying oh, to do it so where good. I did all the research and Julie's just here for the here for the party. So the I, I, I was actually researching food coma, which I had a few people look over my shoulder and say, oh, what, what studies are you looking at there? And I was like, oh, yeah, food coma. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> this is good. This is good. So, Julie, I, the first thing I want you to do is I'm going to send you something and I want okay. this. This is this is food coma is actually in the Merriam-Webster dictionary, and I want oh. you to read the definition, which I just sent to you. Okay, here we go. According to print evidence, the, the term food coma, coma comes from a Greek word meaning deep sleep, is a 1980s coinage and refers to the drowsiness that occurs when a large amount of food is consumed and the body has to work hard to digest it. You know you're about to experience one if you have the following symptoms after ravenously indulging at a feast. Sleepiness 
unbuttoning the pants fullness. <laughs> Gross. Um, and regretfully repeating, I ate too much, or I can't believe I ate that much, while yawning. <laughs> That's the, what the dictionary definition is? That yeah, is I mean, flowery I- language. Whoever wrote that is, ugh, my best friend. Yeah, it's well done. Um, I, I cannot tell you that that is actually in a print version of a dictionary. I don't know if anybody listening has an actual book that says dictionary on it anymore, but that is from Miriam <laughs> Webster's yeah. website dictionary. Okay. And yes, that that is the definition. So if And if you want a more straightforward definition, Urban Dictionary with the most votes says eating so much food that you feel as if you're about to pass out or fall asleep, which I think gets <laughs> to the point, right? Yeah, you eat a ton. Sure. And then you don't want to do anything else. So I thought a good place to start, Julie, would be to talk about the most common either like theories or myths that okay. everybody thinks about with a food coma. So can you give me a concept of what you, you've heard about a food coma that causes it? What, what's something that you've commonly heard? Well, like as a layperson or as a physician? And they're probably care. both wrong, so it doesn't really matter. Start start with whatever you hear most commonly. Like, okay. I got a food coma and this is why it happens. I got a food coma. Well, specifically as it relates to Thanksgiving, a lot of people uh, think that it's related to the turkey specifically and the tryptophan in the turkey. So that's Perfect. One, you one definitely read the outline. Well done. The outline that you outline. did not see. You didn't see. give me an outline. I know you didn't. You're leading me perfectly. So right, <laughs> tryptophan in turkey. Everybody says you eat a bunch of turkey, you're going to have a ton of tryptophan, and you're going to get a food coma because that builds up. And I, I love the word tryptophan because nobody knows why. It's just a, <laughs> ah, it's a tryptophan. It's a, yeah. it's a tryptophan. So, <laughs> you know... So here's the thing. The first obvious statement here on why this makes no sense is that we get food comas when we don't eat turkey. So... Yes. <laughs> Like A, B, if you actually look at the data on tryptophan, Mm -hmm. the amount of tryptophan in Turkey is comparable to chicken, beef, and other meats and does not result in a higher blood tryptophan level than any other common food. So we can poo-poo that one. I think for the most part, everybody kind of says that for fun now and knows that tryptophan is not the reason it happens, but there's your data on that. Can you tell me the one other common myth? There's one other one that like everybody says. Do you have any concepts before I? Um, my other one would be that when you after you eat, all of your blood flows away from your brain and stuff. Yes, and then it goes into your tum tum. Goes this to your format tum-tum. is dynamite. <laughs> it goes to your tum tum, so you can you can break all that food down, and then you don't have blood for other things. <laughs> they, they they don't call this a podcast for nothing, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Julie is nailing it. Yes. So, right. You eat a bunch of food and the blood all goes to your stomach, right? And so you get really tired because there's not enough blood going to your brain. Mm-hmm. Um, again, makes kind of sense. I could see why people would say that, except for the fact it makes no sense because our blood flow to our brain is incredibly highly regulated, mm-hmm. right? We need blood to go to our brain so that we mm-hmm. live. And right. so there's been data that has shown that like when you exercise, for example, the blood flow changes quite a bit, right? You need mm-hmm. tons of blood to go to your muscles when you're mm-hmm. exercising and we don't lose any perfusion to our brain. So it's not all going to your stomach. There was a study in 2003 where they actually did common carotid artery, like ultrasound on people. Okay. They looked at blood flow in the common carotid artery, which is in your neck for those listening. And that's is a artery that supplies a lot of the brain. And so they basically took 20 people. They gave them a high energy meal. They didn't say what was in that meal, but I'm assuming that it had a lot of carbs or something. Mm -hmm. And they looked at blood flow before they gave the meal and after they gave the meal and blood flow in the common carotid artery actually increased 
after the meal. <laughs> so we can squash that one too. Boo! I don't know anything. Yeah. So, so that was perfect, Julie, because those are the two most common things that get said. And I got to be honest, I don't actually a hundred percent know. I could make some, some, you asked doctor or lay person, but I think we are the perfect doctor lay people to be like, Mm -hmm. I actually don't know what causes it. So let's get into really, there's, we, there's very little studies on this for obvious reasons. It doesn't really affect people too much but i feel like after my research i feel like there should be some more studies on it just because the way that these studies are done are my favorite thing on the face of the planet let's do it but i I did go to some of my favorite resources such as wikipedia healthline (laughs) and women's health magazine to get me some more information on what theories are out there so let's break these down one by one okay yes all right so theory one everybody get to the edge of your seat here is the adenosine and hypocretin slash arexin hypothesis. Okay. Do you need me to spell any of those words? No, I'm just kidding. So <laughs> let, this is not as complicated as it sounds. Mm. When you eat food, you absorb the food and your glucose goes up. I think everybody knows that. Mm-hmm. Because of that, two different hormones in your body, one being adenosine and the other being orexin, are affected. Adenosine is very famous because people drink caffeine. So are, did, are you holding a cup of coffee mm-hmm. right now, Julie? There it is. Yeah, me, me too, because this is podcasting. What's podcasting without coffee? <laughs> it's coffee. Me, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Caffeine mm-hmm. is an adenosine inhibitor, right? It blocks adenosine. So if there's increased adenosine, we get more tired. So okay. if you increase the glucose, it increases adenosine. You're more tired. Very straightforward. Okay. There's another hormone that I'm a little less familiar with. Are you familiar with orexin? O-R-E-X-I-N? Mm-mm. Yeah, me neither. Um this basically is a hormone that promotes hunger and alertness. Okay. And so when you eat food, it increases your glucose and thus inhibits actually orexin. So your orexin goes down. So a hormone that promotes hunger and alertness is then inhibited. So in this theory, we eat food, our glucose goes up, adenosine is increased, that makes us tired, and orexin, which is usually keeping us awake and telling us we're hungry, goes down, and so we're tired. Okay. Straightforward, right? Yep. I think it makes sense. Uh, I don't think there's much controversy in that. And I don't think there's much fun to be made with jokes and stuff. So we're going to, do you have any thoughts on theory one? I don't have any really thought specifically, but it it just reminds me of something that I, I think I read or heard on a little like a reel on Instagram or something was, which is that caffeine, like in coffee doesn't give you energy. It just blocks your me tired receptors, you know, so it blocks your adenosine receptors. And I just think that that's an interesting way to think about it. It doesn't really change anything, but it's just sort of fun to be like, yeah, I'm not getting energy from caffeine. I'm like, you know, blocking the tired impulses. And I just find that interesting. Yeah, that's a great point. I remember uh, our sleep uh, um, lectures in medical school. One of the Mm. things that the, the lecturer said is, you all drink coffee incorrectly or you all yeah. drink uh, caffeine incorrectly because you should be having it at a time when you have the most amount of adenosine built up. And that is not right when you wake up, right? Yeah. When you wake up, you haven't really built up any adenosine. And so the best time to do that's actually in the afternoon, sometime between like one and four o'clock because yep. you've built up a lot. Yep. Right. So yeah, absolutely. Was that, all right. was that Dr. Wyatt? Did we it have was. the same sleep? Yes. He's yes. awesome. I think he's still, yeah. like, we should get him on sometime. He rules. Yeah. PhD. Anybody who tells me I'm drinking coffee wrong and wants to tell me about sleep is always invited. So go kick rocks. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. All right. Theory one's kind of boring, but it it, it makes, it makes a lot of sense. And actually there hasn't been a lot of studies on that because you can't really measure these things all that well. You can't be like, Hey, how much adenosine and how much orexin? So it's just a theory. All right. Theory two. Orexin sounds like 
another word that makes me laugh. Yes. <laughs> oh, we're not going to follow that. Um, <laughs> That's better for the urology episode. Yeah. All right. Theory, theory two. We're going to call theory, and I, I name these myself, I think, to a certain extent, although okay. I do think I had some suggestion. But theory two is basically parasympathetic activation, also known as rest and digest. Everybody's familiar I, with rest and digest, right? Yeah. Yep. I would have kind of brought that up if you would have kept probing me for more things of like something with your parasympathetic blah, 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 blah. Well, one of the uh, pillars of the Your Doctor Friends podcast is not to continue probing you. So, um... <laughs> Gross. Keep going. So, listen, after a large meal, right, you increase the vagal nerve stimulation. And people have probably heard of the vagal nerve before. But basically, the vagus nerve mm-hmm. is a parasympathetic driver. Parasympathetic is the thing that kind of gets us into the rest and digest. The opposite being, Julie? Um, fight or flight. Of... and Right. Yeah. Move and the system into. being the sympathetic drive, right? So we're going to have a different aspect of it. So mm-hmm. th- I think the interesting, because I think that that makes a lot of sense and people would say, okay, yeah, I, I eat food and I have to rest and digest. Like you, then body wouldn't want to fight or flight every time you ate food. That would be a weird feeling, right? Mm-hmm. Every time you ate, you went into like, a, I need the, what it feels like to like be scared. Yeah, like that would be yeah. a terrible, terrible feeling, yes. right? So, but I do think that that's what's interesting here is actually some of the little semantics within it of like, does the size of the meal actually matter, right? Okay. So if I were to stuff my face to where I'm so uncomfortable, does that make me have more food coma than if I just ate until I was you know, semi-full or just ate a little bit. Like, yeah. what would your thought be on that? Just hearing that. Do you, what, what is, do you yeah, think that my, that would My matter? inclination is like more, more food, you know, eating past satiety might make you more sleepy time. Yeah. Anecdotally, I would say that's true. I feel like times sure. that I eat way too much, I feel like I can't move and I want to go to bed. And other times <laughs> when I do the right thing, I don't feel as bad. So sure. if I were to just say what my personal experience has been, I think this would matter. But I'm going to tell you about my favorite study that I came across uh, yeah. uh, throughout this whole thing. Um, and I think we should reproduce the study as much as possible. <laughs> this study took 14 men and it was a randomized crossover study. What does that mean? It means the men didn't know which section they were in to a certain extent or what was being looked at. And then after they completed one section of it, they actually went and did the other side of it. So in each occasion, part, this is this is a direct quote from this study. I love this. Participants ate a homogenous mixed macronutrient meal. And then in parentheses, pizza. No, <laughs> I thought it was going to be like, like weird protein slurry that you have to like eat in the future that everything's gray. Yeah. Nope. Let me repeat that for, let me repeat that for everybody in case you're using this uh, with your friends. Homogenous mixed macronutrient meal, also known as pizza. Pizza. So (laughs) here comes the pizza. And and, and this study is just genius. Ready? On one occasion, they ate until they were comfortably full. Okay. Mm -hmm. Ad libitum. I'm comfortably full. Okay. And on the other side, they ate until they could not eat another bite, what they call maximally full. In our family, we call that uncomfortable. Yes. It's <laughs> a good portmanteau. Yeah. Well, and, and so in my research, uh, a, a partner of ours, uh, uh, Dr. Adam Yankee, was with me, and he said that him and his wife had put this on a scale. And at 10, that's when they're kind of like full and comfortably full. And at 15, they basically would like, you can't get to a 15 without vomiting. And so they, they have a, on a scale have, of what? Like, yeah, like a, a, zero to 15. 15 is like the fullest oh, you possibly could be because it. you're Why 15. Little, I, I think because 10 seems like that's where it should be. I don't know. We'd have to bring Adam on to talk about it. The point is people <laughs> have their MD own PhD. He doesn't know shit. 
the point is that people have scales for this, Julie, and you, you talked about your scale. The, this study had a scale. And okay. so it actually looked at a lot of factors and I didn't want to look at all of them because it was kind of boring. But <laughs> the things that mattered here were there were marked differences on appetite and mood between trials and most notably maximal eating, meaning until you were uncomfortable, could not take another bite, caused a prolonged increase in lethargy. So I think this study, at least in the small sample size, confirms that if you eat way more than you should, you will have a bigger food coma. I feel like this study was just like a frat party. Sure. <laughs> like, here's 14 guys eating pizza and how they subjectively felt. And some some of them ate too much pizza. Well, I mean, <laughs> I like it, the study. it would have had to do a lot of controlling there because they weren't allowed to have alcohol or anything like that, right? <laughs> because right. that would that right. would affect that would that would that would affect your results. Yep. Anyways, this is this is my favorite study, mostly because a homogenous mixed macronutrient meal did lead <laughs> to an increase in lethargy. So, mm. all right. So, theory two again: rest and digest, parasympathetic activation after you eat food, and it seems like if you eat a bigger meal, you will have a bigger food coma. Any uh, final like comments on theory two before we wade into theory three? No, it just seems real scientific, that study. <laughs> yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, but I well, like that it supports it. It does make sense, you know, and, and I mean, it again, but like just because something sounds plausible doesn't mean it's true, but I do like having a little bit of data to back it up and the, the just visualizing that study and how it was put together makes me giggle and makes me hungry. So, yeah. So <laughs> I feel like as the theories go on, there's like, sometimes bigger words, but we're going to try to break it down. So theory okay. three is, and I called this one high glycemic load, because I feel mm -hmm. like high glycemic is something that gets said a lot these days. Mm -hmm. So people have familiarity. with it. So theory three, high glycemic load. And I'm going to read for you. When foods with a high glycemic index are consumed, the carbohydrates in the food are more easily digested than low glycemic index foods. Hence, more glucose is available for absorption. Following? Okay. Yep. Got it. High glycemic, more available to be absorbed, the carbs, and hence you have more glucose absorbed. Okay. okay. In response to this, insulin levels rise concordantly, right? So if you have higher glucose, your insulin is going to be higher. Mm -hmm. And your body's trying to maintain those blood glucose levels in a normal range by doing mm -hmm. that. Insulin stimulates the uptake of most amino acids, so mm -hmm. things like proteins in your blood, except for one. If any guess on what amino acid insulin does not stimulate the uptake of tryptophan tryptophan no, is, is back ladies and gentlemen Yay! I did it. Ding, 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 ding. right so insulin is released and blood glucose is, you know to maintain the blood glucose level and the amino acids in your blood are all stimulated uptake as well out of your bloodstream except for tryptophan so basically tryptophan shows up at the brain because it's, it, you know, like everything else is being pulled out of the blood, but a lot of tryptophan is in there. And so it goes up through the blood, gets to the, you know, blood brain barrier, knocks on the door and says, hey, there's a bunch of us here. Can hey, we girl. come in? Yeah. Right. Right. And so and then I think this is the part that's lost on people with tryptophan, including myself. And I think it's not too complicated, um, but tryptophan is converted into serotonin. So I think most of us are familiar with serotonin these days due to like serotonin based drugs like uh, antidepressants and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And so serotonin is actually then converted into melatonin, another thing I think people are pretty familiar with. Mm -hmm. So increased brain serotonin and melatonin levels result in sleepiness. I like it. Right? Yeah, not bad, right? So high glycemic load, yep. more glucose, mm -hmm. more insulin. Insulin mm -hmm. stimulates taking up all these amino acids except for tryptophan. Tryptophan uh, uh, creates a gang of tryptophan, ends up at your brain, turns into melatonin and serotonin, and you get more sleepy. So it sounds like it's not... 
you know, if you were breaking down the Thanksgiving meal, it's probably not the turkey that's making you sleep. It's probably that's the mashed potatoes or yep, the it, candied yep. yams or the, yep. the like the easy like the simple carbohydrate sugars, the 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 marshmallows on top of your yams or your uh, <laughs> your cranberry jelly that nobody likes. <laughs> All the gross shit. I just was trying to figure out how many times you were going to try to say yams. It's <laughs> just a funny word. Great just, to say in a, in a Chicago accent. You got Julie, how, much, how, how, many, how many yams do you guys have at your Thanksgiving? No, we don't really. I just... Uh, but yes, your theory makes sense, food. right? Because like, again, it's it's less the turkey and it's more things that are high glycemic. So, so and, and, and you can reference your favorite Google chart on that. But yes, things that are going to be less higher the carb load. Less your turkey, more high glycemic foods. Reference your favorite Google. <laughs> oh, the gobble gobble's back. <laughs> I can't make it stop. <laughs> oh, this is such a low budget uh, entity. Fuck it. Give my phone away. <laughs> Just throw I'm your phone. Talking. I'm done. Throw your phone. <laughs> Good news is we're, we, we're almost out of theories. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. All right. So theory, theory, yeah. theory, our last major theory. Okay? okay. And there's a couple other minor things, but like, this is our last major theory. Okay. And, and, and this one's kind of interesting because I, I, I think it makes sense, but I hadn't really thought about it. And I called this one natural sleep rhythms. Okay. okay. Sound, sounds organic, right? Natural sleep mm-hmm. rhythms. Um, so many people experience a food coma as a post lunch dip where they mm-hmm. feel sleepy in the early afternoon. You ever feel like that? Oh, 100%. I mean, isn't right. that like, I don't want to step on where you're going, but isn't that like where like siesta time and stuff comes from? You nailed it, okay. right? So the body has a natural 24-hour sleep-wake cycle known as the? Uh, natural sleep cycle time. <laughs> We're gonna circadian call rhythm, circadian rhythm. Just trying to prove that you didn't get this outline before we started. I did not. I did not know. So correct. Your circadian <laughs> rhythm is what does our natural 24-hour sleep-wake cycle. And I think many people kind of associate that with at the end of the day when the sun goes down, I get tired and I should go to bed. And if I'm a nighttime worker, it kind of gets screwed up. Or like if I take a melatonin when I'm traveling across different type of time zones, it kind of helps. That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Research shows that in addition to the expected sleep phase at night, there's actually a smaller sleepy phase known as like the 12-hour harmonic in the early afternoon. So it actually yeah. does dip naturally. And so this phase has uh, been observed by dips in work performance and increases in vehicle accidents around 2 to 4 p.m. Yeah. People perform worse at 2 to 4 p.m. and there's more motor vehicle accidents from 2 to 4 p.m., at least in some studies. Okay. So, and in fact, this natural dip in the circadian rhythm may be one reason for the common practice of an afternoon nap in many cultures around the world. Siesta time. Siesta time. Right. So it exists for a reason. So eating may still contribute to increased tiredness. We've already established that in some of our other theories, mm-hmm. but we actually just may get tired after eating a, a lunch or some sort of midday meal mm-hmm. strictly because our body is going to no matter what we do. Also, yeah, exactly. And also for Thanksgiving, I mean, the the custom, at least in my household, and I'm sure a lot of other people's is that you eat randomly way earlier in the day. Yeah, you so you're eat having right that at that meal time. At like one or two anyway, which is weird. Um, and then you're super tie tied by a three. But yeah, exactly. it, I, I mean, uh, and Jeremy, you have kids. Do you feel like their nap time usually is around like the minutes yes. or like, yeah, yep. and my, my five cats, <laughs> it, we call that kitty sleep sleep time because you exactly. look around and no one's around and then you look at the clock and it's three o'clock and they're all totally zonked out. So it must, yeah. it must happen in animals too. 
So we made it through the four theories. Uh, there, there's some other minor things. Like one minor thing is high high carb meals have been shown to increase cytokines, which um, cytokines is a whole different type of podcast. But the basic Ooh, concept of Adam Yankee back on. He likes yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah, Cytokines have been shown to increase sleepiness. So in theory, a high carb meal may increase your cytokines, which may increase sleepiness. So, so a okay. minor other theory. So we have four theories. And do you have your favorite theory? Do you feel like there's one that's more right than the other? Like where, where's like, your head at? Yeah, I, I, I feel like I believe, I agree with the high glycemic load um, or high glycemic index type load foods would make you more tired by um, kind of upregulating or, you know, yeah, that one makes the most sense to me. And it reminds me of when we had Naomi Perella on and she had a really good way of explaining how, you know, sugar spikes spikes your insulin and how that kind of that that um metabolic cascade happens so it just made me think of that and i like that one the best yeah totally i my my take home after doing all this research was a i think this is going to become um my area of research moving forward (laughs) and b um i i think like many things it's probably a combination of all of them right It, it it i think every one of them makes sense to a certain extent and when you combine them all together which is possible Mm -hmm. you get tired that's yeah. my theory. Um, so uh, with that, I think we've pretty much uh, uh, beat food coma into a coma. Um, <laughs> and I want to wish everybody an awesome Thanksgiving. Yeah. We will be bringing part two of that conversation from last week back next week. But yes. we just really didn't want to leave Thanksgiving, my favorite holiday, without yeah. its own special treatment, right? So I, I'm going to close out the episode by saying, enjoy your food comas. So will your doctor friends. Oh, yay. Gobble, gobble, everybody. Love you. Have a great Thanksgiving. <laughs> the amazing music is credited to Skillcell with Pixabay licensure. The podcast is meant for educational and entertainment purposes only. The contents of this podcast should not be taken as medical advice to treat any medical condition in either yourself or others. Please consult a medical professional for any medical issues that you may be having. The contents of this podcast are the opinions of the hosts only and do not reflect the opinions of their employers or affiliations. This entire disclaimer also applies to any guests or contributors to the podcast. Under no circumstances shall Dr. Julie Bruni or Dr. Jeremy Allen or any guest to the podcast be responsible for damages arising from use of the podcast. (laughs) 